Hi, everybody. Welcome to another PR Masters podcast series where you get to hear the stories and wisdom of our industry's most successful leaders and legends. I'm Art Stevens, your host, and I'm pleased to report that today's guest is number 73 in our four-year-long podcast series. And our guest is somebody that I know from my own professional experience. Uh, he's an old friend and worthy of the title PR master. He is Lawrence J. Parnell, or as we call him, Larry Parnell. And Larry is an award-winning practitioner and educator. And in 2003, he was selected the PR Professional of the Year by PR Week. And in 2009, he was named to the PR News Hall of Fame. And to top it all off, in 2015, the George Washington University Masters in Strategic Public Relations, which he leads, was named Best PR Education Program by PR Week. Larry's an active member of PRSA and the Page Society. Larry Parnell offers the practical experience of more than 30 years of communications work in government, corporate, and agency settings, and 12 years in academia as an associate professor of strategic public relations and program director at the George Washington University. And during his career, he has advised elected officials, government leaders, and corporate executives at the national and global levels on major business and communications issues. And he continues to provide high-level communications consulting and training to corporations, nonprofits, and government organizations through his firm, Parnell Communications. Larry Parnell, welcome to PR Masters. Thank you, Ward. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're going to have a conversation today, Larry. You know, as I indicated, you and I mm -hmm. uh, go way back and uh, have done some work together in the past. And uh, I always respected your professionalism. And obviously what you've done at George Washington is just astronomical, really. So let me start by asking you, Larry, you've worn many hats in the world of public relations. You've been on the agency side, which you still are, academia, consultant. How do you compare academia with a consulting agency side of PR? Why don't we start with that? Well, you know, I think, Art, it's kind of a natural evolution for me in that, in my view, what I've come to realize is that good public relations counsel is really a form of teaching, uh, teaching clients, teaching colleagues, teaching staff uh, how to communicate more effectively, reach target audiences, impact public opinion. So without knowing it, I've sort of was evolving towards this role my whole career. And now that I'm teaching uh, full-time at GW, uh, I find that to be especially the case. And the secret is I learn as much from the students as I hope mm. they learn from me because they keep me current and up to speed on things that you and I are, would normally not know a lot about, like social media and those kind of things that uh, we didn't grow up with, but we adapt to. So it's been really a very rewarding experience and one I'm I'm very, very pleased to have had the opportunity to undertake. So let's go back in uh, history a little bit, Larry. Um, I always ask this question because it's, it's, it's always interesting how people got into public relations in the first place. Sometimes it's planned. Other times it's accidental. So how did you get into public relations in the first place? And how much did you know about it when you took your first job in it? Well, I think if most people are being truthful with you, Art, they'll tell you, that a lot of what happens in your career is accidental, good luck, being in the right place at the right time, et cetera. 
Uh, I started out uh, with an undergraduate degree in journalism from Boston University with the intent to be a crusading journalist, uh, like many at that time in the, in the mid-70s. Uh, however, the first opportunity I got to work uh, was in uh, city government. I actually, uh, you'll appreciate this, I, I, a true story. I met Julian Bond, you probably know that name. Mm-hmm. I met Julian yeah. Bond on a train in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, told him I was thinking of moving to Atlanta, uh, and he said, well, if you ever do, you need a business card and a staff person with him. If you ever do, look me up. So on that basis, I decided when I graduated to go to Atlanta. <laughs> so I went to Atlanta, and uh, he basically said to me, wow, nobody ever does that. Uh, and I said, well, I have to start somewhere. Uh, and, you know, being in Boston was great, but Boston is so full of quality and talented people, it's pretty hard to get to break in as a journalist or as a communications person. So there was an opportunity to uh, work for the mayor of Atlanta, uh, then the, uh, Maynard Jackson, the first black mayor of a major American city. And I was hired to write speeches for the mayor and then uh, evolved into deputy press secretary uh, at the right old age of 22 or 23. Uh, and I thought, this is easy. You know, this <laughs> was hard. Uh, and then uh, joined the Carter campaign in 1976, and I sort of got into PR um, in that I had I was in state government after the campaign in Massachusetts, uh, and uh, was approached by a uh, supermarket company, uh, the Stop and Shop companies, which most people in that part of the world know very well. Oh, I know uh, that. It's just one near me. That was <laughs> which was before the uh, attorney general's office who I was working for. And uh, they said, well, we don't really have anybody here who can help us manage this issue. So uh, that's how I got into PR. My first public relations job was director of public relations for the stop and shop companies in Boston following about five years in politics. And it kind of took off from there. So I didn't really have a a plan and I didn't have a, uh, you know, a strategy, but I did have a sense of, communications could be a career path that could take me a lot of different directions. And as a young person, I found I could impact uh, government and uh, corporations uh, by giving advice and, and executing communication strategy. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got into PR. And, and ever since then, it's been a, a pretty great ride. So how come uh, you didn't stay in the world of, uh, of, of political PR and political campaigns and, uh, uh, and, and working for elected officials and that kind of thing? Well, I did. You know, I, I tell you, the, the, the disillusion that I, that I uh, realized very quickly, and I don't think it's changed a hell of a lot over the years, is that the focus was always on the next election and what we had to do to get elected. Mm. And I had gotten involved in government and politics, and I thought – uh, I could be help be a change agent, and I was I was a little frustrated that uh, the focus is more about what do we have to do to get elected. So that was one issue. The second issue was I found that, and it's kind of a premonition to where we are today, uh, that business in a business environment you could actually have a lot of impact on society uh, and and cause change. And so I, I enjoyed that ride. And either as a staff person or as an advisor to corporations, uh, I found that satisfaction I was looking for originally. 
You know, that's a very interesting premise, uh, and I'd, I'd just like to go with that for a little bit. The mm-hmm. fact that you felt that you could accomplish more on the corporate side than on the political side, where the focus was on winning the next election. I think a lot of listeners would be interested in getting a little more insight into that. So you believe that uh, corporations can make a greater impact. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Larry? Yeah, I've sort of come full circle in this, um, in that I, you know, at the, at the beginning of my career, I thought government was the way to make a difference. And then I found that to be somewhat frustrating. As I mentioned, got into the corporate environment, working with corporations both domestically and internationally, and was able to, in the early days, CSR and sustainability and those kind of things as ways you could actually impact people's lives in a positive way, as well as create opportunity, economic opportunity for people. Uh, now, uh, in my work at GW, I've kind of come back around to the other side because there's a whole generation of people, perhaps like myself, several years ago, many years ago, looking to get involved in government work uh, and trying to drive change. And I think there is an opportunity to do that uh, that wasn't there before, perhaps, in my early career. So uh, either either forum is the opportunity exists. I do think government as we see from you know, all the studies Edelman and others put out, the decline in trust in government uh, yeah. is a serious problem. And in my work at GW, we're really focusing on how can we help government communicators and public affairs professionals improve the way they deliver services to the public and try to offset some of the impact of polarization and uh, disinformation and in the world today. So it's really kind of been a full circle moment for me, Art. So tell us how you got into academia and tell us about, you know, the the program that you manage at uh, GW. Obviously, it's it's renowned and uh, you have established quite a reputation in your focus there and obviously uh, I'm sure many of the graduates have gone on to wonderful careers uh, as a result of your tutelage. So t- tell us how you got into it and and what the focus has been. Let me begin with the, the last part of your question first, and I'll get back to the beginning. Uh, it's probably been the greatest, most satisfying part of my career, Art, to see. Um, we have close to 1,000 alums now uh, from wow. my time wow. at uh, GW, and I was fortunate enough to uh, publish a, a textbook uh, with a colleague that's being used by about 40 universities across the country. Uh, so... Probably the satisfaction that I get from that is, uh, is, is the most rewarding thing I've had in my career. Uh, it's been really, really a, a, a great, great experience for me personally uh, and why I'm still doing what I do. But to answer your question about how did I get started, uh, it's, a, it's one of those moments, again, where things kind of come together, and you'll appreciate this because there's some people playing a starring role in this that you know very well. When I, I, I'm from the Washington, D.C. originally, area originally, and had gone on to through Boston, New York, Atlanta, uh, Toronto, London, uh, doing my work as an advisor and as a staff person. And uh, I came back to the Washington area when my uh, experience in Canada, in Toronto, changed with the, with the change of the CEO, uh, and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And this is the part you'll you'll recall. Art. Uh, I sat down with Howard Pastor. Uh, oh, I'm yes. sure you know very well or yeah. knew very well, he's now rest in peace, he's a great man. But Howard was on the advisory board at GW, uh, and he said, well, while you're 
trying to figure out what you want to do next with your career, why don't you teach a class in this new master's program we're starting up? So I said, well, I've never taught before, but it sounds like something I might enjoy. And that was uh, 15 years ago. Oh my. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I taught a class, and then I taught another class, and then they said, well, you know, we're, we're formalizing this department, and we need a director. Why don't you apply? And, you know, here I am. So it's been um, – it's been a great ride, a wonderful experience for me. And you're right, I do have uh, all these alums out there now, and not a week goes by, and I'll hear from one who will say, you remember what you told me in class that time? That actually worked. I tried it. At, you know, so I get this <laughs> psychic reward all the time uh, from, my, from my students and alums, and I advise them on their careers, and I give them suggestions about you know, how to get move forward and how to deal with issues and it's just very, very gratifying. But I got into the business. I got into the academia much the same way I got into the business. I met somebody. I networked <laughs> who I knew and trusted. And Howard said, why don't you try this out? And here I am 15 years later. And a great rewarding career it's been. So tell us what the curricula was like when you started there at GW and, and what inroads you have made and what changes you have made to better coach the uh, student body to what will become their careers. What, what changes did you make in the curricula? Well, the best part about that, Art, was that it was really a new program. So it was sort of uh, Don Bates helped get it started and uh, they said, you know, why don't you do this? So I took it on, and I was really able to build the curriculum in a way that I thought made sense. And the focus of our program from the beginning has been more on the practical application, sound academic principles. In other words, we teach our students how to do what we do better, smarter, faster, cheaper, more effectively uh, than they might know how to do it otherwise. So it's very much about the litmus test for the work that our students do, and it's graduate level, so that helps a lot. So all of my students already know they want to be in this business. Some of them are already in the business. Some of them want to get into this business. Some come from other countries around the world, the United States, to learn about this business. But it's, the litmus test has always been what will work in the boardroom. What can you give to a client? What is good enough? and responsive enough and on target and cutting edge in terms of theory, strategy, practice. And so that has been, um, you know, how we've built the program. And it's modified and changed as the profession has modified and changed. Yeah. So, you know, the impact of social media, the, the impact of uh, expectations of the public for business to solve social issues, the pressure on government to be more responsive to the constituencies, and now uh, artificial intelligence and how it's going to change the profession. These are all things we're able to adapt and adjust and put in the classroom yeah. because it's that viable, that dynamic of an environment. You know, Larry, when I started out in, in public relations uh, umpteen years ago, mm -hmm. there were very few courses in, in colleges and universities right. having to do with right. public relations. That has grown exponentially, as we mm -hmm. both know. What do you attribute that to? You know, has there been just a greater interest on the part of uh, students uh, who took a look at the profession of public relations and decided that it was something they wanted to do. What do you think are the factors in, in the growth of, of uh, public relations courses and curricula in colleges and universities? Well, that's a really good question, Art, because I've, I've thought about that a lot over the years and as, as we try to keep current and stay ahead of 
where the market is going. I think it begins with the fact that public relations continues to be large. Public relations, public affairs, corporate communications, whatever discipline you want to talk about, continues to be a growing field. Uh, as I'm sure you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has indicated that on a going forward basis for the next 10 years, jobs in public relations will grow between 8 and 10 percent a year until mm. um, almost 2030. So it is, first and foremost, a growing and dynamic field. Secondly, as we have seen a migration, uh, talent and sophistication and the ability to measure and demonstrate results, public relations is offsetting traditional advertising and other means, other marketing, members of the marketing family as the place and a part of the organization where leaders go to for answers and solutions. So it is dynamic and growing, and it is an area of focus. And as we look at the specific issues that are driving that, not the least of which is this expectation that corporations will address social issues, as a CEO looks around the C-suite, he or she is going to say, well, it's, it's not the legal department, it's not the engineering department, I need someone to understand stakeholder relations, communications, public opinion. That's a PR. Where's my PR person? And, mm. and, and so it's elevated uh, to a level where it is at the so-called seat at the table. So all these things have contributed to it. Secondarily, as a profession, as you well know, the growth of the industry in part uh, and the growth of the academic side of the industry specifically, in my view, is driven by a desire for professionals in our field, and I'm at the graduate level, as you mentioned before, a desire for people to have a credential that has currency in the marketplace. Uh, with all due respect to PRSA's APR or IABC's certified communicators, those are things that people within those associations know and respect. But in the outside world, in the corporate world, in the client world, when they're not public relations professionals, they understand a degree from a recognized college. So you've seen a movement by universities, particularly in the graduate space, to offer these degrees. And for a while, we were one of the few that did it, so we were growing at enormous rates of growth in the early years. As competition came on from recognized schools around the country, and our, our sector here in D.C. and around the U.S., it became more and more competitive, and we had to refine and reshape and focus our, our product. But Basically, it's the dynamics of the industry, recognition of the profession as being valuable to leaders, and a sense that we need training and credentials that show training that will help us build our careers that have driven the growth of public relations on the academic side. Do you find yourself competing with some of the majors like Newhouse and even City College, which has a, a, a great program here in New York, or, or or do they flock to you because of the the reputation that you have established for a GW? I wish it was that simple uh, that they would just flock to us, but you know as <laughs> I do that in this business, in any business, if you don't if you don't tell your story, you're not going to get the growth that you're looking for. So the challenge for us has been yes to meet competition from very good programs. You know, there was a time when there was a number of schools from small regional parts of the United States that had merit uh, in those regions. But as the market has shaken out in the past few years, we're back to the recognized global schools like GW, Georgetown, American, BU, NYU, USC, Northwestern, 
all brand name globally recognized colleges. So each of us has to figure out what is our niche in that, just like we would if we were in the, any industry, right? What do we want to be known for? How do we want to be perceived? And what kind of students do we want to attract? So for us, we're in Washington, D.C. It's a natural that our focus is going to be on government communications, public affairs, and how to interact with the government. Because whether you want a career in politics or not, you have to understand how politics will impact your business or your client's business. So at GW, that's what we focus on. Uh, other schools have other focuses, uh, or foci, I should say, uh, depending on their market and, and what they are known for. But for us here in Washington, we leverage our brand, which is GW, and we focus on the marketplace that we know best, which is government. And then we say to our students, whether you want to work for the government or you want to influence the government, we can help you. And that's how we go to market. Hmm. Well, you've certainly carved out a niche. You've been in both the agency world and education. Hmm. How has your view of, of an agency's role changed or been modified over the years? Well, we could talk about the, 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 the agency model for hours, uh, you and I, uh, because we've seen it all. Uh, and I worked in, you know, most of the major firms, with very few exceptions, I've worked in. Uh, but most of the firms, the bigger firms I've worked in, are the global firms that are part of holding companies. And so there's a natural uh, ebb and flow of that. I think the real challenge for the large-scale global agencies now uh, is, is that they have built a business model uh, that is become commoditized at the day-to-day -day level. And the focus is on billable hours and generating income on how many people you put on a piece of business to bill hours against it, uh, as well as, you know, some thought leadership and knowledge and expertise, et cetera. But fundamentally, the business model is on margin and on, you know, producing uh, billable hours. And I think that has been a challenge uh, for the agency and the agency world, and I think it's going to be a challenge going forward because there are a number of boutique firms specializing in certain aspects of the business or that are senior-led and they're very agile and very quick and very adept to move. And clients over the years, in my view, have become better consumers of agency services, and the expectation is uh, higher-level thinking, higher-level impact, uh, not just commodity work. And I think the struggle for the big firms is to, is to move with that and be consistent. Now, you throw on top of that COVID impact in the industry worldwide, and I think you find that people now uh, are looking for very specific skills, agility, and uh, the ability to hold forth at the highest levels of a client organization. And that is a model that a lot of firms are going to have to adapt to get to. Larry, I think that the workplace in public relations has changed a lot, obviously, as a result of COVID, you know, in, in terms of mm -hmm. people working from home and not so much at the office and the uh, pull and tug of that uh, as uh, perhaps right. some employers want people to come into the office more. What's yeah. your sense of that? Well, I think that's a real issue. I mean, that was kind of moving in that direction anyway, and I think COVID accelerated it. You know, our uh, mutual friend Chris Cage uh, and I worked together years ago, uh, and nobody in the store I'm going to tell that it was years ago. And he said to me once, you know, a good public relations consultant can work anywhere as long as you've got a laptop and a phone booth. Now, <laughs> this is before cell phones, but you get the yeah. point. You don't need to be in a big office in midtown Manhattan. 
the client wants to be able to reach you, to get your input, to get your advice, to get your counsel, and you got to be agile and responsive. Where you do that from is almost irrelevant to the client. And that's going to change a lot of things about the agency model. You've also got big offices that have people historically in them. I mean, for many, many years when I lived and worked in the New York area, I commuted and from uh, suburban Connecticut into Manhattan uh, for almost 15 years. And that process, door to door, it was two hours yep. to get to the office, you know, because they had to get to the train station, take the train to Grand Central, then get from Grand Central to my office, and then the same thing at the end of the day. So that model's gone. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting challenge for the agency business to do, because you're right. You can do this work. It's not the it's not the logistical side of the business. It's the brain power side of the business. It's the yeah. creativity. There is a benefit, though, I must say. There is definitely a benefit of some hybrid, and I'm seeing more and more firms are getting to this. I do think uh, I always tell my students as they graduate, they say, what's the best way to start my career in PR? And almost without fail, I'll tell them, work for an agency. And the reason I tell them that is because in almost any other setting you're doing public relations work inside a corporation, in a nonprofit, you're one of the few people in the organization who does what we do. And not everybody understands what it is you, you do in public relations historically and even to this day. But in a PR firm, well, you walk down the hall and you ask somebody with years of experience, how would you handle this? And you get that networking and that knowledge and that access that you don't have if you're by yourself. So the real challenge, uh, we have a whole generation of young people coming up in this industry who are not used to working collaboratively with colleagues in an office because they started out working at home and they kind of like that. So I think the real challenge is going to be how to get back to some level of that because collaboration, especially in your early part of your career, is critical to being a successful counselor in my experience. Well, that's a very interesting point, you know, because, you know, obviously the trend has been toward people working at home, you know, virtually, mm -hmm. getting together collectively, periodically, but for the most part working from home. And that contagious spirit of, of knowledge and um, mentoring and what have you sometimes seems to be lost. Do you think mentoring is, is uh, going out of style or under the present system of working from home? That's a risk. It's definitely a risk. I do think that in some respects what we're doing at the graduate level at GW is a form of mentoring. You know, we're basically a place where students can come. And we have the same issue uh, academically that, that the industry has from a business perspective. You know, we've gone from fully on in-person learning to fully online during COVID to a hybrid now. Uh, but the benefit of our students is they can come into the classroom with a current problem that they're dealing with at work and, and discuss it with their professor. Because all of our professors, with the exception of myself, are adjuncts and are working professionals who are doing the job that they're talking about at night in class during the day. So, you know, you got the opportunity in a classroom setting to try something out on your colleagues and uh, on an experienced person, much like you would have if you were in a office setting. So I do think that's a challenge for the industry to not lose that. And I think that the academic side provides some of that, but the opportunity to network and go to a PRSA meeting or 
a NERI meeting or IABC session or chat with somebody after work over a beer about how to handle a problem and learn about the industry, you know, that's, that can't be lost because that kind of, you know, storytelling and, and, and generational learning is, is critical to, to, I think, the success and growth of our business. So I do hope that agencies figure this out. I don't think mandating people to be in the office is the way. I think somebody made the comment, which was later put on the cover of PR Week, instead of mandating, you want to create a magnet. What makes people want to come in? I don't mean, you know, lattes and, and, uh, and ping pong. I mean an environment where people could come in and talk and exchange with each other and get to know things and learn the business. Because, all right, if you don't love this business and want to learn about it, then your success is going to be limited by that lack of enthusiasm that, that falls out of that. The best part about this business for people like you and me have been in it so long is you just there's so much return on investment of emotion and energy that you get from solving a problem, moving things forward, teaching somebody something, learning and having a client say, that worked out well, thank you. That psychic compensation is critical. And if you don't have an environment in which that can happen, uh, whether it's in a classroom setting or in an office setting, but I think we lose something. You can't do it from your basement, yeah. not full time. There's no question about that. You know, I sense in the work that I do in terms of mergers and acquisitions in the public yeah. relations agency industry, I've obviously seen a lot of changes over the years, mm-hmm. and I've seen more and more young people turn to public relations as a career. You know, at one point, young people didn't really know what public relations was when I got into it. And my right. father asked me, oh, that's very nice, you know, so uh, what do you do? Uh, what is public relations? <laughs> I, I, I was hard-pressed to answer that question. But now, mm-hmm. you know, I think that uh, we have a litany of things we can uh, say. Do you think more and more uh, young people are interested in public relations? I know the, obviously, the field is growing. And uh, I mm-hmm. guess when people evaluate, you know, where they want to spend their careers and they see the growth of this particular profession, it seems to me they're more inclined to say that's something I'd like to do. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, I do. I think we've seen a very uh, rewarding and emotionally satisfying gravitation towards the industry by bright young people, not necessarily undergrad trained as communications people. We get a lot of uh, students coming into our program with backgrounds and degrees in business, liberal arts, political science, and various natural sciences who've decided that they can take a base of knowledge that they have as an undergrad, leverage that through learning about public relations and communications, and then work in an environment, government, private sector, or nonprofit, where they can drive change, which seems to be very important uh, and gratifying to so many of our our young people. So I do think that's the case. I think that you know, you're right. When you know, Historically, when people would, would ask you what you do, we were hard-pressed as an industry to explain it, which is kind of ironic because we're supposed to be in the business of communicating it. I guess it's like the shoemaker's <laughs> right. children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, what I, I tell you what, I ended up worked for me for a number of years, and I had a difficult audience. So was, I worked for Ernst & Young uh, for a number of years. That's when I received that recognition from PR Week, which I was so so grateful for. Um, and basically, you can imagine talking with an accountant or a lawyer, with all due respect to accountants or lawyers, 
what it is that we did. They did. You can't quantify it. You couldn't put into words that they understood. So what I ended up doing, Art, was I would say to them, when you present your business card to somebody, they look at the name on that card of your company, what they think, that's what I do. I'm in the reputation business. I'm here to improve your reputation and, and bring your, your story to a larger audience to make more people aware of you. And they sort of got that. But then the problem would be, they'd say, okay, play defense, make it go away. <laughs> and that isn't the same thing. So yeah, you have to be yeah. careful about making people think that, you know, we're, we're magicians and can make bad news go away just by being clever. Uh, much more importantly, let's work together beforehand and say, let's avoid this bad news by being smart about how we do our business. And that's the value add that we can do as PR professionals. I just want to talk about the diversity for a moment. Tell me where you think it is in the uh, industry, uh, on the college level, it's students jumping on board in terms of uh, public mm-hmm. relations as a career. Where mm-hmm. do you think diversity is and what do you think still needs to be done? Well, like everything, there's good news and bad news there. The good news from our perspective at GW and a lot of programs that I interact with colleagues around the country, uh, diversity among our students, we're in great shape. I mean, probably 30% of our students uh, at GW at the graduate level uh, represent uh, traditionally underrepresented minorities from all over the world uh, and all kinds of backgrounds. So we're on, the, on the way up, we're seeing a much more diverse generation of professionals coming into the industry, which I think will help us all be better at what we do uh, because we'll be having counselors uh, giving advice and counsel to clients or corporations about audiences that look like them, as opposed to it being someone who doesn't have their frame of reference to their perspective. The challenge, uh, which we continue to see, is at the senior level. Uh, you know, the, the industry has not, to date, been able to figure out a way to attract and retain uh, senior-level people of color uh, and a diverse background uh, running agencies. We have seen a lot of progress, uh, uh, beginning with my good friend Barry uh, at, uh, at Ketchum, uh, you know, who was the first woman to run oh, Barry uh, Rafferty. a global PR firm. Barry Rafferty. Barry Rafferty, yeah. Rafferty yeah. Uh, who I worked with. I worked with Barry when she was at, in New York and in uh, Atlanta, and was very pleased to see her being the first because she's an unusually gifted professional and a really nice person. Uh, but and we've seen now at uh, at Weber and at uh, MSL and other firms, um, BCW, women in charge. So that is a good thing. We've made progress on that side. Uh, but I think what we aren't seeing is, is um, middle, senior and, and, and upper level people of color, people of other diverse backgrounds, Latinos and others, um, you know, in, in roles of, of responsibility. But we're getting there. It, part of it is it takes time to move up to the ranks, and you want to put somebody there before they're ready. But I do think we have some work to do on the senior side. Um, Larry, I'm going to ask you a few final questions about yourself. Sure. Okay. And I appreciate your time and, and your insights. Uh, first of all, who are your heroes? You know, we all have heroes along the way in terms of our lives and our careers. Who, who are some of yours? Well, within the industry, and there's people like, obviously, uh, Howard Pastor was very beneficial to me in getting me into the GW role. Harold Burson, a great guy. I never worked directly for Harold, which he often said to me, how come you never worked with me? Uh, 
I just never did <laughs> end up in a prison environment. I had several conversations that Chris Kay was very beneficial and supportive of me. I had a, a CEO that I worked for very early on uh, in the banking sector who was really great to me. And, uh, you know, I remember doing my interview with him. David Carson is his name. And he said, you know, I was being interviewed for the senior job at a bank in Connecticut. And I said, you know, I'm not really an expert on banking. And he said, I've got a building full of bankers. I don't need any more bankers. I need people who understand communications. I said, done. Uh, so <laughs> within the profession, within my career, those are people that have been really important to me. Uh, generally heroes. I look to people that are trendsetters and, and trailblazers. Uh, I mean, I've always admired Muhammad Ali, Jackie Robinson, many of the women who came up in this industry early on and fought for themselves and created a profile. Uh, so I guess, and I must say, this sounds like an Oscar speech, you know, but my parents were both teachers. And for me now to be in a role where I'm teaching and my wife is a teacher and my daughter's a teacher, I must say that teachers in general, I admire and I respect. And on a personal level, they mean a great deal to me because of the work I've been able to do. And I think back on all the years my parents as teachers did what they did and what my wife and my daughter are doing. And that's some of the most important work in the world and not appreciated as much as it should be. Larry, uh, modesty aside, what do you think your greatest contributions to the world of public relations are? Uh, sticking around long enough to make a difference, I guess. <laughs> to be honest with it. Uh, but seriously, I think my greatest satisfaction and, and therefore my greatest contribution from my perspective are the students uh, that have been in my program, now alums, young professionals, uh, increasingly senior professionals out there doing great work, not because they're doing things the way I wanted them done, but because they're doing it from a perspective of what's in the best interest of the client, what's the ethical right thing to do, and what's the most effective way to accomplish uh, their objectives consistent with the, the, business, the strategy of the organization. I think we've moved from creating buzz to making a difference from a bottom line perspective. And I've been very personally satisfied by seeing a whole generation of students who get that, and they're out there now doing that on a regular basis. And to know that they're out there either directly from my program or because they've used the text that my colleague and I wrote, and they're doing things the right way means a great deal to me, and that's probably my biggest contribution on it. Oh, gosh, I can understand that. I can understand that fully, you know. And my final question, Larry Parnell, is where do you see yourself in the years ahead? Well, you know, I, it's funny. At our age, thinking about the years ahead is, a, is always a good thing, right? Uh, but I, I do think that I will continue to teach. Uh, I will continue to advise. I may cut back on the administrative side of things, uh, you know, that just become the work, if you will, of teaching. And just really... My wife and I have had this conversation a number of times. She said, what would you do if you weren't teaching? And I don't know what I would do, frankly. So I do think I will continue to teach. I'm also a believer in lifelong learning, so I'm taking coursework at GW to become executive coach. I think it's a natural progression from being a consultant to a teacher to being a coach. So I'll be looking at that in the future. But I'll stay around the business art because it's what I love. It's what I've always known, and I just – like anybody else, I get up the next day and I want to see what's in the paper, what's going on, who's doing what in the business, how people <laughs> like art and all my friends in the business are doing out there because it's like, you know, 
part of being a family. I want to just make sure I keep track of the family. Wonderful way of putting it. So Larry Parnell, my old friend, our listeners and I thank you so much for your wisdom and your insights, and you have a mighty important responsibility, and that is training our next generation of public relations professionals and leaders. And, and judging from your past accomplishments and vision for the future, Larry, you're certainly up to the task. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ward. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Take care of yourself. And thank you all for joining us for another edition of PR Masters, where you get to hear the inside scoop from our industry's legendary figures. And until next time, this is Art Stevens. I'm managing partner of the Stevens Group, and we're a firm that facilitates acquisitions in the PR agency digital marketing space. I am now signing off, and I thank you all again for joining us. Until next time.